We're in a week three of a series on the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, we're calling him the messenger. He is a guy who wrote 13 books of the New Testament, maybe a 14th if you give him Hebrews. And he was the main guy to spread the message of the gospel immediately following Jesus leaving this earth. It's quite amazing his story and his life. Just a, a quick recap. I mean, he's basically a first century Hitler, especially for people who are followers of Jesus. I mean, he is the guy imprisoning those people, if necessary, having those people killed. He is a vicious, cruel guy. He was raised and trained to be an amazing leader, an amazing teacher. He was trained by the best of rabbis, probably on his way to being one of the best himself. Perhaps if Jesus had not gotten a hold of him, his life would be, he would be known as perhaps one of the best in history in that way, but rather on his way to Damascus to arrest more people who are followers of Jesus, about a hundred miles north of Jerusalem, he encounters Jesus on the road and Jesus appears to him in a blinding light, a light that actually blinds his eyes literally and speaks to him and calls him by name and says, Saul, Saul, how he was known at the time, why are you persecuting me? How long are you going to kick against me? How long are you going to resist me? And there on the road, Saul, whose name would later be Paul, and I'll use them interchangeably, he just says, who are you, Lord? And what do you want me to do? And so he goes on into Damascus, where a man by the name of Ananias is also spoken to by Jesus to say, I want you to go meet with this guy. I want you to go begin to explain to him my ways and, and all the things that I've taught. And, and then Saul would go on into Arabia for a period of three years and he would learn more. And I don't know how he learned everything he learned, but as early as Acts 13 and 14, his earliest days of ministry, he is already directly quoting John the Baptist. He's already directly quoting Jesus even before the gospels had been written down. I don't know how that happened. I don't know who went and visited him or how the Holy Spirit revealed all of these things to him, but he has now unlearned a lifetime of learning in the Jewish culture. And he has discovered that Jesus is the fulfillment of everything the Old Testament has been pointing to in the way, the truth, and the life for now, forevermore. He's got a hold of this message and it has radically changed his life. He has become motivated by this one thing. And he says things like in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2, he says, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Romans 1, 16, he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Everything has been changed. This is his life. These are his mantras. My question for you today is, what are yours? I mean, everything, he's, he has statements like this all over the place. These are just two of the more popular ones, more well-known ones. Acts 20, 24 is another one. It's so powerful. He has these mantras that he's living his life by. What are yours? What wakes you up in the morning? What are some of the first things you think about when you get up in the morning? What are some of your first thoughts? Keep in mind we're in church, so I want you to filter whatever your first thoughts might be in the morning, and depending on who we're talking to here and how, how you're receiving this. And for a, lot of, for a lot of folks, they'll reach over and maybe they don't have a first thought, so they're going somewhere to get a first thought. And they'll reach over on the nightstand, they'll grab their phone, or they'll fish it out from under the pillow where they left it the night before, and Pull the, phone up, pull the phone up and find something inspiring to get you through the day. It's really amazing the way these memes have hit our culture. Do you know what I'm, I'm talking about? 
Like I could take a picture of any of you, just a picture of your face, put some inspiring text behind it, and by six o'clock, you could be viewed by millions of people all around the world. You could be inspiring people everywhere by something that is that has been said that looks like maybe you said or that you would have said. And people go and they get these little inspiring things. I mean, you know, I go, I get this picture and I believe with this cat that I can just hang on for one more day. It's this amazing thing we're just all clinging to. What are some of the things that grab you, that inspire you right away, first thing in the morning? Well, here's a a few I thought I would give you just to inspire you if you needed something today. Here's one. Life is short. False. Living is the longest thing you'll ever do. I just thought I'd give you a little Dwight Schrute in case you've needed that. You know, you may have been missing that for quite a while. For any of you office fans there, here's another one. This one applies to me. I would be more inclined to grow up if I saw that it worked out for everyone else. Yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm, I'm working on that. I'm, I'm going to keep the Peter Pan thing going as long as I possibly can. And then, uh, and then there's this guy. Got to love this guy. Don't take life so seriously. It's not like you're going to get out of here alive. Uh, that's... Uh, that's when bad things happen to guys with Harleys or eight tiny reindeer. I'm not sure which, but what, something to inspire you. What inspires you first thing in the morning? What wakes you up right away? Other than your alarm clock or your children, what motivates you? What are you living for? What's the thing that gets you up, that, the thought that carries you, that sustains you through adversity, something that gives you the drive you need to overcome setbacks, something that creates a a lens for decision-making. Too many people live in an endless drift of needless information and busyness and meaningless stories that just add noise to their lives rather than fulfilling the story and the purpose that God has put on their lives. And today, as we think about the Apostle Paul, I want you to consider this question through the lens of the gospel. What is the purpose or the mission that God has called you to in this season of life? And if you don't know what it is, how do you find it? What is it right now for you? I mean, if you're a parent, you've got a purpose and a mission. God has loaned you these kids and your job is to raise them, follow after him. What are you carrying in this season of life? What is your mission in this season of life? Maybe it's a job that you really feel called to. I mean, about three quarters of you don't feel called to your job. You feel you're doing it out of necessity, but maybe you've got something you really feel called to. Maybe some of you are actually carrying a friend through a a season of grief right now, or maybe you've got a family member or a friend who's dealing with disease, with cancer or something else, and you've dedicated some of the best hours of your day to taking as great a care of them as you possibly can. Some of you are caring for parents that a couple decades ago, you never imagined they would need the care that they do now. What is the mission? What is the purpose that God has put in your life right now? Listen, God has plans and purpose for every one of you. He did not put you on this planet because God needed to fill some kind of quota, but rather his desire for you is that you would use your one and only life to accomplish his purposes. And his purposes always get accomplished. So it's best to join in in those. Isaiah 46, 10, God says, I am God, there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, I will accomplish my purpose. 
If you don't have eternal purposes in your life, if you don't have things that you're investing in that will last beyond you, things that are greater than you, then maybe you you go to bed every day thinking, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what I've done. I'm not sure what I've accomplished today. But if you can get in line with the plans and the purposes of God, you can put your head down every night and wake up every morning knowing that God is using you in a way that you never maybe dreamed that he would. And that's the invitation from God to be a part of his plans today to be a part of his purposes today. Today is Pentecost. Churches all over the world are are celebrating this day. It's the day where for us now as Christians, where it's kind of changed from what it was hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, but it's the day when Peter, soon after Jesus ascended into heaven, he's in Jerusalem. It was a Jewish holiday. There was a lot of people in Jerusalem. He's speaking to folks and And he's really just laying out the gospel for one of the first times. He's laying out that Jesus died on the cross for the sins of men and that he'd risen from the dead. And as he's laying it out, people who are there from all over the world are all hearing in their own language what Peter is saying. It was a miraculous thing. There are 6,909 languages in the world. Peter is just not that good. Okay, And I don't know how many of those languages were represented that day, but every single one of them heard in their own language. On this day, we're reminded that God longs for his greatness to be proclaimed to everyone, that God has a heart for everyone from rednecks to hillbillies to hippies, business people, mechanics, single moms, hikers, bikers, people who consider themselves intellectuals, whatever you think your story is today, every single one of you have your own language and your own way of understanding the promises of God. And I can tell you that part of your purpose and part of what God wants you to fulfill is this. He is looking for someone like you to reach someone like you. He's looking for someone like you to reach someone like you. And on this day of Pentecost, This day makes this promise that if you are in Christ, then you have God's Holy Spirit and God's Spirit will speak through you if you allow him to. And everything has changed for the Apostle Paul. The man who was once working to climb to to greater heights, to greater stature, to be the best of the best in his vocation, he has been radically transformed. We're going to be looking at just a few verses from Acts chapter 9 here just over the next few moments. So if you want to turn there, I want you to see this immediate transformation that happens in the life of the Apostle Paul. Acts 9 verse 20, it says, And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He, Jesus, is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. People are in stunned disbelief. They're stunned by his energy. They're stunned by his tenacity. They're stunned by his knowledge. What he once was all about has changed, but not everyone's excited about it. Verse 23 says, when many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him, but his disciples, he's got his own disciples now, his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. This is amazing to note. I mean, the people who are trying to kill him now, remember, these are the people that three years ago, They wanted everything to do with him. 
They wanted his blessing. They wanted to be approved by him. They wanted to be a part of what he was doing because he was the guy imprisoning and killing people who were followers of Jesus. I mean, three years ago, these people revered him like no one else. Now they're trying to kill him. Now this guy who had all this stature, all this position, all this power, this man's man, this guy who had it all together, this guy that everyone else looked to, now he is being lowered in a basket, hidden in a basket to escape those who would want to kill him. So he leaves Damascus and he heads to Jerusalem to try to meet with some followers of Jesus there. In verse 26, it says, when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples and they were all afraid of him for they did not believe that he was a disciple. That word attempted there or tried, depending on the translation, the version you're looking at, it indicates that he tried over and over and over again, but the church leaders would not let him in. He would not be accepted by them. So what does he do? Verse 28, it says, he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, continuing to preach boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and he disputed against the Hellenist, but they were seeking to kill him. Another group of people reoccurring in his life from really, as we read through the scriptures, it's just a, a few verses, a, few cha- a couple of chapters ago, but the Hellenists are an interesting group of people. The last person we know who spoke and preached Jesus to these people is a guy by the name of Stephen. Do you remember Stephen from a couple weeks ago? This is the first time we actually met Saul. Stephen stands up as Peter has done. And he proclaims Jesus to the Jewish leaders, to the people in the city. And he proclaims Jesus crucified and resurrected from the dead. And he proclaims him to the point that these Jewish leaders get upset and they stone him and they lay his garments at the feet of someone named Saul. The guy who is now back three years later preaching to them, trying to tell them what he is now knows to be true this gospel message of Jesus Christ. Can you feel the courage? Can you feel the boldness? Can you feel the the motivation and the drive to go right back to these people and to preach this message? A guy who has been humbled and humiliated in some ways. He's not motivated by position. He's not motivated by acceptance. He's not motivated by appearance, but he is motivated to share the message that's burning inside of him. I mean, he's He's bold, he's fearless, he's unstoppable. He's got this crazy energy about him, crazy energized about what Jesus has done in his life. I mean, if you read some of his letters, as smart a guy as he was, he's really bad with grammar. And what I mean by that is the first couple of chapters of Ephesians, for instance, there's several instances of this, but the first couple of chapters of Ephesians are basically three really long run-on sentences for a guy that was trained to be the best of the best. Your ELA teacher would have flunked him for sure. But what is he writing about? What is he so excited about? If you read Ephesians 1 and 2, it'll just blow you away. You got to read it fast, kind of like I'm talking now. You got to read it energized, kind of like I'm talking now. He's going, I can't believe what God has done for me. I can't believe what Jesus has done for me. It gives him so much energy and drive every single day. Can I ask you, is there anybody that needs just a little of that today? Just a little of that today. We're in a culture where so many people would say one of the number one things they deal with physically is extreme fatigue, just worn out. 
We have people taking meds for depression in one hand. In the other hand, they take a pill in the morning to help them get up and get going, right? I mean, we have a culture of people where 2 million people quit their jobs every month. And they list reasons like horrible bosses and they're not getting paid what they believe they deserve and they're right and all of that kind of stuff. But the number one reason why people are quitting and throwing in the towel is because they just don't believe that the job they did mattered. And we live in a world where too many people lay in bed at night wondering, did today matter? Did I accomplish anything? Am I making a difference? Am I leaving a legacy worth talking about? And worst of all, so many folks are just drifting because they have no good answers to the question about why God has put them here and they allow their daily priorities to just be dictated by whatever external forces they might encounter. Paul talks about this in Galatians chapter 6. Verse four, he says, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work that you have been given and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. The question is not what do you do for a living? The question is what are you living for that you can be proud of? What have you done in this last week that you can be proud of? The scriptures challenge us to live with purpose beyond this life and to take hold of what should be the underlying conviction behind everything we do. There is one that motivated Paul, that energized him, that gave him drive in the face of crazy obstacles and opposition, in the face of people who wanted to kill him, in the face of people who didn't want anything to do with him. He had this one underlying conviction that was the fuel for his life. And the challenge to us today is to get up every morning and remind ourselves of this one thing and let it challenge and motivate our lives like never before. Philippians chapter three, verse 15 and 16 says, so let's keep focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us, if that's what you want, if you want to sink deep today and not just be in waist high waters of mercy and grace, if any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision if you let him. You'll see it yet. Now that you're on the right track, Let's stay on it. Listen, the focus of our lives, the drive, the energy of our lives, the bottom line that should be undergirding everything we do is the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's the gospel good news message of Jesus. There will always be tough circumstances. There will always be fears. There will always be distractions and persecution and opposition, but allow your thoughts, every area of your life to be arrested by the grace the goodness and the faithfulness of a God who sent his one and only son into the world, not just so you could confess salvation, but so that you could experience his grace in every area of your life. Titus chapter two, Paul says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in the present age. That word for training in Titus chapter two is where we would maybe get the word coaching. It's an ongoing thing. If you're trying to get better athletically, if you've got maybe a, some type of life coach or something in your life, someone in your life helping you to get, reach goals or, or different things, whatever it is, that's what the grace of God does for us. 
We need to allow the grace of God to continually shape and train and discipline us over a long period of time. We need to wake up every morning and remind ourselves what the grace of God has done for us every single day. Author Paul Tripp says this, no one is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you more than you do. You talk to yourself, don't you? Author Donald Miller says, we spend 30% of our time daydreaming and you keep snapping your fingers at your kids and they want to snap back at you so bad they can't stand it because they've seen you do it too. You talk to yourself. So what are you saying? From the first thing in the morning until you lay your head on that pillow at night, no one has more influence on you than you do. So what are you saying to yourself? Are you speaking the grace of God? Are you speaking the gospel of Jesus Christ? And how does it play in other areas of your life? What are you saying to yourself about relationships? Maybe it's a dating relationship. Maybe it's a friendship. Maybe it's someone you're having an argument with. Don't you love that? Those are the best arguments. The ones that you just have in your own mind. You say everything that you ever want to say, but you'll never say it out loud. And then sometimes you encounter people and you're like mad at them because you've pretended that they've said things to you and you're kind of giving them the cold shoulder and they show up and they're like, they're thinking, what is their deal? I don't know what I did. And they didn't do anything. They just did it in your mind. They insulted you. They said something awful. What are you saying to yourself? Let's take marriages, for instance. I have such a burden for the marriages in this church, in this community, that they would be infused by the gospel and the grace of God, that marriages would be, have the gospel and the grace of God spoken over to them over and over again, the message of the messenger. That's not often the case. Often we're saying things like, I'm not sure we're gonna make it. That may be what someone has shown up to church today thinking in their marriage. I'm not sure we're gonna make it. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, how can I get him to stop doing that? Every wife has had that thought at some point, right? How can I get him to start doing that? Maybe you're thinking, I can't keep going on like this. It's over, it's it's done, he doesn't love me, she doesn't want me. I don't know how I'm ever gonna prove myself. These may be the first things. For some of you, if your marriage is struggling right now, these are the first things you are thinking to yourself in the morning. As you get up out of bed, your first thoughts are, I'm completely unlovable. I don't know what I'm going to do. And even if you're single today, if you're a parent today, what are your thoughts about those relationships? How does the grace and the gospel of God speak to our relationships? Let me give you an example. This is just one. We could, get, we could go for dozens. And if you're in groups this week, I hope you would think of some other examples. But let me give you just one, Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How does that speak to a marriage? How does that speak to relationships? The message of the gospel teaches us that when we are at our worst, we are loved by God. 
Even when we are at our worst, we are loved and accepted by God. And if you can wake up every morning with that thought, it will shape how you interact with everyone in your life. From the person that you are closest to, to the, to the stranger on the street, you will be motivated to love more selflessly than ever before because you have been reminded that you were loved by God when you least deserved it. What do you say to yourself about different areas in your life? What do you say about finances? It's not, I don't have enough. (laughs) I could use some more money. It'll never be enough. I'll never measure up. I'll never have what my neighbor has. I'll never be able to keep my kids happy, my family happy. These are thoughts that make us fearful and stingy. I got to hang on to everything I've got. What does the gospel say? about the worries that we might have sometimes with finances. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. The gospel teaches us to be generous, not just in the area of finances, but in every area of our lives, to be willing to go above and beyond what someone is asking for or expecting. What do you say to yourself about your own successes, your own fears, your own worries, Colossians chapter one is just one example. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has got plans for you beyond what you could ever understand. He has called you his own son, his own daughter. What do you say to yourself about who you are and how others feel about you? From the very first thing, the very first moment when you wake up in the morning until you go to sleep at light at night, let me give you some things. These are all from scripture. This is how God feels about you. He says you're made in his image. He said he knows the hairs on your head, even the ones that used to be there. He says that you are more valuable than anything he has made in creation. He says that sin, addiction has no mastery over you. He says that you have been saved by grace, that you are justified by faith. He says that no one can pluck you out of his hand if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and no one can separate you from his love. He says that he will never leave you or forsake you and that he has given his spirit to guide you, to help you and empower you. These are the things we should be saying to ourselves every single day. What do you say to yourself? When you need a reason to get up out of bed in the morning, Galatians chapter two, verse 20, the apostle Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. I love how the the message version says it. He says, it's no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. I'm no longer even driven to impress God because Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I am not going back on that. That's a great thought to wake up with today. My life is not my own. I have been bought with a price. So every day, Jesus, how do you want to live your life through me today? Let that be the first thought in the morning until you go to sleep at night. If I could give you just something today to come away with, just something small, something that I think has the power to alter our lives, is to go through the scriptures, maybe even using something I've said today, to look carefully. And from the first thing, from the first moment you wake up in the morning till you go to sleep at night, let the love and the grace and the gospel of Jesus Christ speak over your life. 
It was the message that transformed this man. That he could not help but share. It drove him. It energized him. It woke him up in the morning. And it can do that for you. And we need to be reminded today that God's looking for someone like you to reach someone like you. He wants you to take this message that you have been given, these words that he speaks over your life, and he wants you to share them with others and to say, God has spoken these over your life as well. To fill your mind with his truth. To fill your marriages with his truth. To fill your fears and your worries with his truth over and over and over again. Most every day, I'm not perfect in this, but most every day, I'll wake up, get around, have 17 cups of coffee, and then I'll pray. You know, one of the great things when you don't know what to pray is just open scripture and borrow from somebody. That's why the Psalms are so underlined in my Bible. I I borrow things from David all the time, from the other psalmist, to get my prayers going. And then... I'll use prayer to worship God. I'll be reminded that he's sovereign today, not me. (laughs) That he's in charge, that I'm not. And I'll spend a little time confessing sin. Actually, I'll have to spend a lot of time confessing sin. Sins that have already been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Just to say, God, I'm sorry, would you continue to make even me into the image of your son. I was struggling with something this week and I don't advocate for this, but I just kind of opened the scripture. You ever do that? (laughs) Boom. You know what it said? It said, I'm the potter, you're the clay. Who are you to ask me questions? I said, I'm done, I'm out. That's good. I'll just keep that all day. So most every day in my prayers, I'll say, God, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to say, I'll say. Jesus, would you use me in the life of just one other person today? Lord, Jesus, have your way. And he gets my day. I got a calendar, I got to-do lists, I got things to do, I got purpose, I get mission, but he has permission to do whatever he wants. And I can wake up in the morning and commit these days to him, trusting in the faithfulness of God and go to sleep at night looking at what he has done. I hope my prayer for you that you will preach to yourself every day the love, the mercy, and the grace that God has made available and given to you. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? If you're here today, you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You're yet to be arrested by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you allow yourself 
Would you allow yourself to put your faith and trust in him today? Would you no, no longer like the apostle Paul, would you no longer kick against this truth that God sent his one and only son into the world, his unique son into the world to die on the cross for your sins that you might have life. He's risen from the dead that you might have life. That feeling you, you've got going on inside of you right now, don't resist it. It's the spirit of God. I know you weren't expecting it when you walked in. You may have just been hoping for something halfway good that you could walk out of here with and feel a little better about yourself and about life. But can I tell you, the spirit of God has more in store for you. He has a personal relationship with Jesus in store for you. So today, if you would pray in your own words, something like this, would you pray with me right now? If you need to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, just pray, God, I thank you so much for this feeling I have inside of me right now. I recognize that it's you. Would you change my heart today? I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins, for all the ways that I fall short, for all the ways that I miss the mark. And I believe that he has risen from the dead. That's amazing, God, that I might have life to the full. God, I wanna take hold of life that is truly life. I give it to you now. If you prayed to receive Jesus today, would you please not leave this place without taking that Get Connected card you received when you walked in. Or if you didn't get one, you can go grab one out in the atrium space, our lobby space out there. Would you take one of those? There's a spot there for you to give us your information and to let us know that today that you prayed to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We wanna help you get started in your journey with Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I wanna invite those who are helping us take communion today to take your places. We're gonna close this service with communion and today we've been reminded, I've been reminded, I needed the reminder that the gospel of Jesus Christ, which means good news, by the way, just the good news that Jesus has come into the world, that God has extended grace to us, that that really should be the bottom line underneath every area of our lives. So if you're here as a follower of Jesus today, would you allow as you, as we're commanded in scriptures to prepare our heart before we go to the Lord's table or to Eucharist, however you know this moment, as you prepare your heart, would you ask God right now to speak into every area of your life and give him the freedom to challenge you, to speak over you and do use you however he sees fit. Take just a moment and pray silently there in your seat. Father God, today we have been reminded of what you would say about us, of what you have done for us. God, may it be the motivating factor of our lives. May it energize us. May it fuel our days. Thank you, Jesus, for coming, for doing all that you did for us, for dying for us, for rising from the dead, for giving your spirit who continues to speak to us and challenge us and empower us. God, would you allow us to continue to be made into the image of your son? Lord, would you remove anything from our lives, any distractions that would keep us apart from you in this moment? Retool us, refresh us, direct us. 
we all need it. In Jesus' name.